What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of How to Succeed at Everything, the show where I interview people who have been extremely successful in their respective fields and hopefully find some tips and tricks to help you succeed in your respective field. My name is John Abbott, and today's guest has a multi-million dollar manufacturing company. He also is a consultant with product-based businesses and helps people build and grow e-commerce stores. His name is Callie Keen, and this is How to Succeed at Everything. They ask me how I do it, how to say I put the time in I'm not talking dancing when I really put the grind in I'm the best to do it, I'm the coldest that you ever seen I should write a book and then call it how to succeed at everything Everything, everything, everything Everything, everything, everything Everything, everything, everything I should write a book and then call it how to succeed at everything Alright, Callie, thanks for coming on the show, man I appreciate it hey. My pleasure. What's up, John? It's great to have you in here, man. So give me the give me the list. What's the list of things you're working on right now? I know you've got a lot. Well, I'll, I'll boil it down and I'll keep it simple. Is Essentially, I design products, I make them, and I sell them. That's really reductive, but I've been making things in the technical product space and kind of the art product space, collector space, for a really long time, selling them on the internet. And that's gotten me into a ton of different little niches and opportunities. And you know, I've jammed a little bit about that, but it, it puts you in a lot of places. So I like to share that information with people and that's spilled over into my own little coaching program and community where I just, I share what I've learned from some of the biggest companies on earth who are my clients day to day. I share what makes them win, what's made them grow, what's gone, taking them from concept to acquisition. And I share that with people that are in my community. I share that with my friends and try to make it simple enough that any entrepreneur can actually execute on it. Which is huge to be able to make it simple enough that anyone can execute on it. Cause a lot of this stuff, people, um, people overcomplicate some of it. I think, I think it's a lot simpler than some people understand, but yeah. where did you, where, where'd you come from? Where'd you start all this? What, what started the, the Cali Keen journey. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I got on the internet in the mid nineties and my parents were like, you can do anything that you want. Just don't get into chat rooms. So I immediately got into chat rooms, uh, <laughs> started running in IRC internet relay chat, mm -hmm. which is essentially what has morphed into Slack and discord now and right. really old internet protocol, but that's where all the hackers and make money online people hung out before forums were really what they are today or what there was no social media at the time. But I started building websites in 96. I started selling things online that we were making. My family is in manufacturing. So I grew up making things for the history fair, for science fair, for uh, I made weapons for my martial arts classes. I made all kinds of things. And that's how I grew up is you could just think up something, you could make it and you could use it or you could sell it. And it's an entrepreneurial family. I kind of took that online. We sold craft products. We later sold software, which I wrote. Um, Where'd you learn to write software? Did you teach yourself? I, I actually did teach myself. Yeah, I'm a... It took me three swings to graduate from college, so I'm a pr prolific college dropout. Let's go. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I taught myself uh, at first C++, 
then I taught myself PHP, Java, JavaScript, uh, you know, heard different databases at the time. So, you know, uh, SQL Server, SQL, so MySQL, et cetera, et cetera. But that, that led me into not just designing websites, but developing websites. So programming them from the ground up, then writing software. Um, I wrote an ERP software that's used by thousands of manufacturing companies all over the world. Um, but then I worked in actually production in manufacturing, so in my family's business. And then I moved into product development about 15 years ago and got better and better at that. And so today my clients are the top tech companies, top defense, cybersecurity companies, uh, three-letter agencies. You could just name off the top of your head. So that's who I develop Dang. products for, G generally very technical products. And uh, what's interesting is there's no real difference between making a successful technical product as a successful fun product. And I proved this a few years ago, maybe five years ago. I made the world's most expensive fidget spinner. I'm pretty well known for that uh, project, but I literally did it to show people you can make anything, and if you market it and sell it correctly, you can sell it for 200 times the competition. You can pre-sell it, and you can sell out. And it can be a very simple product. That's just interesting. So we sold a $700 fidget spinner, pre-sold, 150 units <laughs> in a week without a dollar in ads. Was that, I told was everyone that, that I would do it. Hmm? Is that on TikTok? <laughs> There's no TikTok at the time, but... Um, but have you, it, have you leveraged that on TikTok? Because I feel like if you repost that you did that on TikTok, that would, that would explode. <laughs> yeah, I, sh I should be on TikTok more, though. It's, yeah. But it's, it's, like hard, it's hard to get into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the time commitment, I grew up with social media and the internet, and I, mm -hmm. part of me really likes it, but then a growing part of me is like, that's a distraction, because if I want to grow a $100 million plus business, like, do I really need to be on TikTok? Do I, do I need those views? Like, does that... Is that going to be of service to me? It's kind of a broader question. Is like the people that are advocating yeah. that generally, they're not trying to do what I'm trying to do. And I understand why it's important to them. Generally, it, it's like we could get into the ads conversation. Is like mm -hmm. people that advocate this to. is the way to sell products. It's because that's what yeah. they do for a living. Um, uh, you know, like dem demonstrably, I've sold more online than um, almost any of the people that will tell you to. <laughs> buy ads and like that's the way to sell it or social media that social media is the way to sell interesting so yeah so you you help people build e-commerce businesses right yeah so to some extent uh, yeah to some extent um so more recently i've gone farther back and really helping people that are starting but in general i would help somebody say that they just did a kickstarter and they raised $200,000 and like, wow, I have all this money and I have all these clients. Now, how do I turn this product into a product business? So I would help them. Um, or let's say that you had a mid six figure business and you said, I'm really missing the potential here. I'm not developing the products that I want. I don't think that I'm really selling the way that I should. You would hire me as a consultant and then I would help you get to, you know, seven figures, mid seven figures. Nice. Yeah, it's cool because I feel like all the expertise you have with um, 
well one just being comfortable with the online space and how the online space works paired with marketing and your product knowledge i feel like that's the perfect recipe when e-commerce started becoming a thing to jump in and i mean basically succeed at any aspect of that right yeah for sure because realize that up until just maybe five seven years ago at the most the way that e-commerce works now didn't exist so when people think of e-commerce they think of like shopify with facebook ads that's generally when i tell people that i grow businesses i grow product businesses they're like oh so you help people with their ads no but my friend does and we we can bring him on and he agrees with my strategy and premise and all of that but in the course of human history for the last you know 6000 years and 1000 years in the future people have bought because somebody has said hey this is a good thing right and yeah, yeah. that that is a, a innate human way to interact with civilization with community and so if i can bring that emotional element in if i can bring in that real actual relationship element and i can say this is how people buy this is how they psychologically purchase they do because they want status in social hierarchy and they want to relay a social signal to their community like i'm savvy or you know i belong if we understand that we can look at sales the way that it always was up until where somebody could just do a few clicks and run like a YouTube pre-roll. And uh, so I focus on teaching people to create an aligned brand, a really highly resonant offer I call magnetic offer, and then to sell using strategic partnerships, so brand partnerships. And that way they can go from a very small company to a very large company quickly because every big company that I've ever worked with, every successful startup that I've gone from zero to eight figures or investment or acquisition, everyone that is successful that I've worked with, let's say almost all, right? I don't want to use absolutes here. They have grown due to some type of partnership deal, brand deal, strategic partnership, some way to leverage somebody else's success to make them successful very quickly. But for the most part, almost no e-com entrepreneur that I speak with, they, they, they have never heard of that concept. They, they don't, they just think linearly about it. Yeah. And yeah. So everyone that's not successful does it the way that everyone is teaching. And then everyone that's successful, you does it the way that I'm teaching, but there's nobody saying like, Hey, I work with successful companies. I'm going to show you how successful companies actually do this. Stop doing this thing right. that everybody else is doing. Why would you get outsized results when you're doing it the same way everyone else is doing? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So when you say a lot of them think linearly, are you saying like they just think that you just create it and throw a ton of ad money at it and it'll work and they don't understand like the value proposition that has to be there? Or what does that mean? Yeah, it's is a good thing to unpack because one of my talking points is that linear growth is a lie. And if I could show you how to do something where we did an activity every single day and I told you, John, at the end of the year, I'm going to give you a $5 million check, but you're not going to make any money until the end of the year. That's how success really works. 
is that you're going to try and you get to build a skill set, build a brand. You may be making some money, but there is a disproportionate payoff from doing the right things where somebody is looking at this like, I'm going to get a product that I think is hot and I'm going to jump from yeah. product to product and I'm going to just push it with ads and look, look, I get a 2x ROAS. I get a 3x ROAS. When somebody is talking about their return on ad spend, I know that they're an idiot. I, I know I yeah. know that they're, there's no way that they're going to be successful. If that's the ever. talking point, yeah. If that's the talking point because ROAS is hyper irrelevant. Uh, it has nothing, it has no correlation to success whatsoever because it's revenue versus spend, not profit. It, it has nothing to do with anything. Whereas if, if we know that the nature of life is exponential, that it is a, it is a curve that, that goes from left to right at a, a high rate, right? So things that are successful compound together and then can grow rapidly. It, it's not like I'm going to have one product and I'm going to make $1,000. I'm going to have two products and make $2,000. But that's what people think. Oh, I'm going to spend 100 k on ads. I'm going to get a 3x ROAS. Like, that's not how life works. And it takes people a really long time to figure this out because if you look at how success is being sold, it's, it's being sold as like there's tactics, there's tricks, there's strategies. And that... That is true, but the habits of success and modeling what real success looks like, you can, you can make a million dollars next week if you have the right foundation. Uh, yeah, so, so bringing that intelligence into, okay, you're going to start an e-commerce business. How do I position mm -hmm. myself or how do I position you so you're building a brand that is able to collaborate with people? How do you build an yeah. offer where you never have to spend a dollar on ads? How do you partner with the manufacturers and suppliers and marketers and sales teams and all of the, how do you partner with all the pieces that you need so you can build an elastic organization that can absorb the level of success that you're going to get when that big partner comes in and gives you massive leverage? Dang. Yeah. Those are the things to know. I, uh, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about what we were talking about before the call. Um, cold email. Is yeah. is that... I, I was kind of confused when you said that you love cold email campaigns only because I'm doing one right now and I've found it to be completely irrelevant. But as soon <laughs> as you started talking about it, I realized why it's irrelevant for me. Um, it's irrelevant because I'm... One, I'm marketing to people that... Um, I, I need to work on my value proposition. We'll leave it at that. I need to work on my value proposition because yeah, it's like there's a certain click rate always because people check their emails. Um, but what what's in there for them to respond to? So what? How have you found cold email campaigns to work? And I'm assuming it kind of has to do with what you just talked about, right? You got to have a value proposition that um, removes the need for ad dollars. You want people to take action. So explain that a little bit because I thought that was interesting. And if any of us can learn how to fire up a cold email campaign and go back to the basics, man. I'm here for it. So, yeah. So this is, this is one of those things I tell people, Hey, there's a lot, of, there's somebody that's selling this to you and what they're selling is spam. They're selling you, Hey, I'm going to teach you how to erode your brand instantaneously at scale. <laughs> that's what they're selling because they don't really know how to do this either. 
But for certain types yeah. of offers, cold email is still pretty viable. It's a pretty viable approach. But the confusion in the market is that people are selling as a base strategy, a scale strategy. And, and the difference between growth and scale is growth, I'm going to put in more effort and I'm going to get more return. Right? So there's a, there's a, a widening gap between my return and how much money or effort I put into a system, where scale is a slight amount of more effort and I get outsized returns. So mm -hmm. for that to work, all of my systems have to work. That means my value prop has to be amazing. My targeting has to be amazing. I have to really understand my customer. So the, the issue with, and people have the same issue with ads too, because I'm not anti-ads. I just think that it's a scale mechanism, not a growth mechanism, is that if you were What's to sell- What's the difference between uh, scale and growth? Yeah, so so growth is like this: is if I put in one dollar, I'm going to get two dollars. If I put in two dollars, I, I might get three dollars or four dollars. But I have to keep putting effort, as in time, money, energy, into a system to get returns. Where scale is, I'm going to disconnect my effort from the returns. So I might put in one dollar and get two, but I might put in ten and get a thousand. So scale scale allow uh, is a system that allows outsized returns where the amount of effort that I put in is not okay. directly correlated to the outcome. So so growth would be the initial mm -hmm. stage where you're building the brand, you're building the value acquisition, you're building the name recognition, so that when you're when you get to the scale point, um, you know if if the rock says i'm gonna make a tequila he doesn't have to market that very hard to make a lot of money exactly off of it, right because exactly no foundation. and, and okay. yeah Perfect. now you're closing that loop so you you know why i talk about this all the time it's like who why would somebody want to partner with you well because you've done all of the correct growth things you have a great brand you have a great value proposition you have testimonials user generated uh, content you have a good name for yourself you've done those things but people just continue to do those grow growth tactics and if you try to do that with your business, you're going to struggle to hit like 300K or 600K when the, then is the time to move over to scale tactics. And, and partnerships are one of the scale tactics. But for my point on the cold email is that a lot of people don't understand how to get emails. They don't know how to get lists of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of emails. They don't know how to send them properly. They don't know how to warm up the addresses. They don't know how to verify them. So they just go into the, the junk bin. But more importantly, they've never actually sold the thing at all. So they don't have testimonials. They don't have case studies. They don't understand what marketing copy actually resonates with someone. So those emails are going to fall flat no matter what. Uh, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Yeah. How do you solve that if, if you don't know? You got you to do the work. So you, you do the man, you do the manual work. So when I was running startup incubators, and this is what I do for uh, product business clients, is initially what I have somebody do is I say, okay, John, go out and call 10 people that fit your customer avatar. Go post in that Facebook group that you're always talking about that you want to talk to 10 people. Let's see if you have one, I'm going to validate that you understand how to have access to that audience. And two, I want you to just talk to them. I have a script for this. Follow this exact script. It's made people millions of dollars. And what it does is it uncovers the problems that they have so we can understand the opportunities. But it gets them to tell a story 
the story of them trying to achieve something and what obstacles are in their way, what they've tried in the past, why it didn't work. We take that and once we do about 10 people, we are able to start predicting the future. And when we can predict the future, we take that information mm -hmm. and we turn that into the marketing copy. We know what they're trying to achieve, why they're trying to achieve it, why the other things don't work. So we make that into our tagline, into our subject lines in the email. We turn that into our little testimonials or, or problem testimonies at that point. We turn that into what is on our landing page. I'm not a very good writer, so I just avoid doing that altogether. I just ask people, like, tell me more about that. They tell me a story. I transcribe it. I pick chunks out of it. I put it on a website. And that now I have a really compelling uh, offer, really compelling copy. And it's like I'm reading somebody's brain when they read it, but it's in reality, I've just talked to like 10 or 20 or 30 people just like them. Uh, so that's the, the first step is you just do the work. You do it manually. You don't send a survey. You don't do, you know, weird internet black hat tricks or anything like that. I just talk to people and I get that information. The next is yeah. I actually engage those people in a pilot and I get wins and I turn those wins into case studies, little videos, little talking points. Mm -hmm. And then I turn that into creates data. Yeah. That's, that's all your, that's all your sales material, right? Interesting. Okay. I like that system. I've never heard that simplified so much. And I like what you're saying about, you know, when you, when you talk to someone who fits your, you know, customer avatar, um, getting the, asking questions that get the problems out on the table is, like the smartest sales thing you could do ever because all sales is is solving people's problems you know like in real estate we have a real estate brokerage and i i tell our agents i'm like look you you have to get them to tell you why they need you mm -hmm. right like why why do you need a place in a month and then they say all these things like oh this happened this happened this happened this happened good write those down that's that's why you're helping them and constantly remind them that and that's that's like the heart of it so it's cool that you can use that as a um even with a product business you just call and ask and try to see what the problems are in this community and see if your product can fix it mm -hmm. it's really smart that's really it's cool. just like selling consulting it works the same way yeah you can look at any talk track for uh sales it's the same thing i mean that's why we're in the same sales community um it, it's the same as I, I basically get somebody to start talking about their problems. Like, great. Well, how much does, is that costing you? And they, they assign a number and they anchor, anchor a number or an emotion to it. You say, that's great. Well, that's exactly what I do. And then I can charge something relative to that pain. And yeah, I can make it more complicated if you want, but in reality, that's, that's the bones of it is talk Dang. to the right people. I want to solve a top problem that they have and I can figure out if it's a top problem. If they basically complain about it a lot, tell me very descriptive stories. Then I ask them some kind of value-based question. What would your life look like if that wasn't an issue? If you achieve that goal, how much better would your life be? Uh, what, what is the cost of that problem? Or you know, how much more money would you make if you were able to, to do this thing that you want to do? Some kind of value to get a number or an sure. intense emotion and a number out of it. You, you, you'll never have to 
beg for money ever again. I'll just tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. Um, dude, I want to talk a little bit about the beginnings again, but more so, um, when you were just kind of building these things early on, um, what did that look like for you in the personal life as far as like how much time did you commit? Um, what were there certain things habit wise that you had to learn to do to, to enhance your success? Um, in the, the Cali incubator, when you were, when you were first starting to really build all this stuff and stuff started clicking, what was that phase like for you? And what were the things you were having to do? That's a, that's an interesting question. Um, so I've been at it a long time and I'm always doing something. So I have to go in and audit what I'm doing pretty regularly, maybe once a quarter or once every six months and say, okay, have I learned as much as I need to learn about this, or is it actually going to make me the amount of money that I want? So I've picked up a lot of skills by doing this pretty consistently for a long period of time. But in my 20s, I was very focused on being smart, okay? So being a really great programmer, uh, being really good at graphic design or understanding the technical elements of different artistic processes, understanding opportunities, um, learning NLP, doing, like going after certain hard to get knowledge. I was very focused on being smart. And that got me a certain distance, but it didn't make me wealthy. And later I learned why, because now I work with lots of smart people, people that have PhDs, people that run big companies, and the difference between somebody that's highly educated and highly successful is that life is a group project, right? And when we're young, high school, college, in our 20s, it's hard to work with other people. It, there's always a slacker in the group. You always want to do something different yeah. than somebody else. And you're like, yeah, working with other people sucks. I want to be a lone entrepreneur. I'm going to be a lone wolf. I'm going to be the mad scientist in the basement. I'm so smart. Everyone else is so dumb. But you can't be successful. There's no path towards that behavior and success. Because as soon as your skills touch air, they're involved with clients. And if you think that your partners are dumb, mm. clients are dumber. right? If you think that it's hard to deal with your friend, it's really hard to deal with investors. And so I shifted focus in trying to work with other people and collaborate and understand interacting with people more. So when I shifted my focus from being the smartest person to being someone of service, that's where I saw my success grow. And that wasn't until really into my, my 30s. So it was, it was really hard to wrap my head around this is that to really, really be successful, I need to be conversationally competent at a lot of things, or I should be. I should be really good at a couple of things, but my core skill has to be to lead people, find great people, and make them money. So if I want to get to know yeah. you, John, if yeah. I want you to be my best friend, if I make you $100,000 just for free for knowing me, you're going to like me. Yeah. And that's how I've developed <laughs> yeah. my network. I tell you, I yeah. have dozens of people that I've made hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. And if I need to get picked up from the airport, they're going to do it. 
Hmm. And that that was a that was a big shift for me. Uh, so that's one that's one element. Uh, another element was people are afraid. They're afraid of the sales process, or they're afraid of failing, or putting themselves out there. And you'll see this of highly skilled people, highly unskilled people, educated people, uneducated people, is they're afraid of looking dumb, being talked down to. Uh, I started developing products for aerospace companies when I was 26. Um, I was always the youngest person in the room. Uh, I did some other things in my mid and late 20s that really nobody would Nobody would do it. And the reason that I, I was able to do it is because I, I worked at a family business and we needed to do something and there was nobody to do it. So it was either you do it or we go or out. Or it business. doesn't happen. Yeah. Or it doesn't happen, right? It's like, oh, yeah. to hire a consultant to do this thing will be $150,000 or you have to learn it and do it. And yeah. so that put me in a lot of interesting rooms, but it also put me in a lot of bad situations where if you're talking to Boeing and you're 26, 27 years old, and you see this, John, you see this online, people that are younger saying, oh, I can't be successful because I'm only X years old and nobody takes me seriously. Do you think that in a boardroom full of people that are in the military and that are in one of the largest aerospace companies on earth, that they take a 26, 27 year old seriously? Not with that attitude. <laughs> Not with that. Not without that saying I did it. Here's yeah. the thing. You have to actually understand how to sell your skill. Yeah, well, and... you need to be super, comp super competent. Because I feel like I've experienced older people try to poke holes in what you're saying constantly when you're young, just to prove that there's a lack of understanding sometimes. So I feel 100%. like you know you 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 got to go in knowing your stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so that instilled a certain a, a certain attitude in me. This was before I really got in, into any kind of personal development or read any of those things. I mean, I come from a manufacturing, engineering, technical background. You have to understand, like, I'm super skeptical of anything that isn't the way to do something. Um, mm. And that attitude, I brought it into personal development and then kind of where I am right now where it's almost full circle. I would walk in those situations. I... Um, I'm not outcome oriented. So I will have those conversations. I'll have a, a pitch. And if you know that you're right and you know that you're a, a good option, I am kind of disconnected from any possible outcome of that, that conversation. So it's like there'll be another one of these conversations that are going to come along. This person, this is very clear. This person, if they don't understand this, I don't want them to say yes because they're going to be a very difficult client to work with. I don't expect to, uh, I don't expect anything. I, mm. I just let it happen. And that puts you in a different mental space. Uh, you could call it scarcity versus abundance or chasing versus attracting or any of those other things. But I've I found that not not being connected to the outcomes but just doing the work mm -hmm. having the habit of doing this doing the research so presenting it the right yeah. way and just letting it happen that that's yeah. been my current thing that i'm really personally working on you know it's interesting i just 
dove into this idea specifically and it's funny because i've never heard someone word it the same way that i think about it which is what you just said where it's like if you go into a first date expecting to marry that person you're putting all like you are giving complete control of your emotions to the other person's decision making right and therefore you're probably going to be a nervous wreck on the first date and it's going to go horribly um that's the easy example I use, but you know, if you go into a Boeing meeting expecting to get Boeing or expecting them to give you all of this stuff or expecting them to want all of your stuff, it's going to change the way that you present everything in that meeting. And I, I've found it to be true. If you just walk into a room, just kind of like, Oh, let's see what happens. It always goes better than if you go in, like, I need to leave with like this, you know, I, sometimes that pressure can be good. But for me, I'm like, dude, if you, if you go in going, if this doesn't happen, that's a problem. You're giving complete control over the situation to the other people's decision making, which is a situation I never recommend anyone gets into. You know, you always want to be in control to some extent. And as a young person, when you walk in a room full of, you know, big wig, older dudes that are super powerful in that, in that industry, the best control you can have is over yourself, like yep. the best control. And it's so interesting. I've never heard anyone else word it like that, but yeah, dude, hundred percent. I've got 100%. a great for you and it's a Tao Te Ching, right? So it's the, um, Lao Tzu book, Chinese philosophy. Uh, it will completely change how you approach or you think of this is like you're struggling against the river. That's already trying to take you where you need to go. As soon as you unlearn everything, then you can actually open yourself up to being wise once you don't really care about being smart or wise. And there's great lessons in that, but let's just take it into a, a simple sales conversation is that people are obsessed with learning these talk tracks about objections. And mm, that's great. Yeah. Like cookie cutter responses to things. Exactly. Yeah. But if you've ever listened to any of their sales calls, I don't care who they are. I, I top people in the industry, people that even have good results, they sound weird, right? If you want to land really big deals, you have to be a person. You, you should understand like the frameworks of the objections, where people are coming from, what their risks and concerns are. But personality you be types. To, yeah. Yeah, personality types. But you should be able to have a conversation with somebody like like you you want to know them. Because if you were to have them as a client, if you were to land that partnership, if you were to land that job, that gig, you are going to have to get to know them. You're going to have to be able to set up boundaries. So if they're really pushing back, you have to learn how to deal with that personality that they have if you want to be successful. And you can't learn that through these kind of automatic objection handling systems. You need to just say, okay, I'm here. I know my stuff. I've gotten these past results. I can tell this person a story about myself or about something that I've done in the past, which will fit the narrative of the concern that they have. And they're probably concerned about this because they don't want to look bad at their job or they have to report to shareholders or I understand this position empathetically because of this. And if I was that person's friend, I would want to ask them, well, tell me more about that. Why is that a concern? Have you been burned by that in the past? Or, you know, let, let me know. What would it look like if 
if uh, that wasn't a concern, this and this and this. I want to just have a conversation with somebody, and it's so much easier if I approach that like I'm trying to make a friend, I'm trying to get to know this person, let, and like I'm not trying to get them to drop their guard. I'm just coming in there as a normal person. I stand out because I'm really different in my industry, super different, but I approach things like, hey, John, if we're going to do business together, we're not going to be friendly. We're going to get to know each other. And if I were to go on that first date, if I were to go into any social situation, if I were to go to a party and you were to introduce me to your friends and I was stiff wooden and started saying all these like weird sales judo tactics, you'd be like, that guy is super weird, right? That guy's super weird. Maybe I'll get what I want out of him, but what a weirdo, and you'll close yourself up to any kind of future opportunity or referral or anything because you're just being a weirdo, just be a normal person and try to be of service. And it, it's amazing how often this simplicity works out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, man, seriously. Um, what, uh, what's been the most successful networking tactic for you as far as meeting people, um, either an industry that you want to grow in or just people that personally, you know, kind of like Brad, like Brad, you know, just gets in there and hypes us all up every week. And what's, how do you get into these different, these different circles? That's a really good question. Um, I've been most successful by educating people. So when I got into product development, I use a particular software. Most people in my industry, they use one of two softwares. They're very expensive CAD packages. So I started running the user group for the area for that software. So instead of me saying, uh, I'm the best and trying to convince everybody that, that I'm the best, I hosted every other month an event at my company and I invited all of my potential customers there and I invited any of them or people from the industry to come and speak. And I organized that thing until uh, I learned enough where I could then present. But I essentially got top flight, world-class training every other month that you couldn't pay for. And I got all of my customers in the room and I was associated with the expertise of that person until I was the area expert and the undisputed expert in that software. And that helped me grow my product develop product development consultancy. And I saw that work and I've repeated that with the startup world. So I went from, Hey, I'm going to go talk about my thing, which is physical product development, manufacturing, essentially, like I said, in the beginning, designing, making, and selling a thing versus a software. I'm going to go speak, share whatever information that I have. And that led to knowing executives at big companies, getting involved in the state and college incubators. So like a funny aside, you know, I, uh, all the colleges that I got kicked out of, dropped out of, like, I know the deans of engineering and entrepreneurship and business, and I've spoken at all of those schools, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> but then that led me to running my own incubator. And that uh, led me to know, you know people in VC and venture capital, et cetera, is just at every one of those stages saying, what can I share? I'm just going to tell you stuff. And you've been on the phone with me. I'll literally just tell you anything. If you ask me any question, I'll just tell you every, anything that I know about it, how to do it. Dang. 
Yeah, I have noticed that about you. You're very forthcoming with information. And a lot of people aren't. Like that actually shocked. When when we had that call about the product that we're working on, I I was so off put by the fact that you were just like, I was asking tough questions that I've had people straight up just be like, oh, like that's in my master class. Go buy my master class. And you they were don't just know like, anything. oh, like just do this. Yeah, the diverting it to a money-making solution. Yeah, but like, see, an, a true expert will tell you anything because I know a simple fact is that if I were to really in-depth help you with that, that thing, we would have to meet every single week, and it would be dozens of hours, if not hundreds of hours, of going through details, handling problems with partners, with vendors, with employees, with every little detail – that's where I'm sitting because I'm a consultant. I told you this before. Like generally, can, me being a consultant for somebody is starts at 50k. It's generally a lot more than that, but they have a bigger business. It makes sense. So for me to just tell you, oh yeah, I've done this before. This is how you do it. Da, 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 da. I understand somebody's selling that for five thousand dollars online, but they don't know anything. So that that's the top end of their knowledge, and. Somebody needs that and somebody will, will buy it and they'll make money with it. So I'm not trying to throw shade on them, but they can't give that away because that's what they know. Uh, I don't care about any of that stuff. You can literally, and anybody who's listening to this, you can, you can ping me. If you, if you want to know something like what app does this or what's a technique to sell this thing or. He'll tell you. Yeah, I'll just tell you like, oh, here's a supplier to do this thing. Or this is how you search and you find yeah. this. Yep. It's very wise. Well, Kelly, I have a last question for you. I ask everybody, um, what is the one key to succeeding at everything, in your opinion? How do you succeed at everything? Oh, my God. I think that it changes depending on the season of your life. But one mm. thing that's pulled through, I will say that habits, mastering your day-to-day -day is something that will push you forward and help you to succeed in anything. The trick with it is that your habits evolve as you evolve. So you'll constantly feel like you're failing your habits, but the, the moving through that process mm -hmm. forever is what success is. So getting comfortable mm -hmm. with living up to your own expectations through habits. So out, out, you're outcome agnostic, but you're action biased, right? I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to exercise every day. And now I have a six pack versus like, how do I get a six pack? I'm going to do all these things. Uh, getting comfortable mm -hmm. with the failure and persistence of habits is how you succeed in everything, in my opinion. Dang. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Callie, thank you, man. This was great. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, where can people find you? What are the socials? So I, I'm Callie Keen at pretty much anything uh, that you want. You can go to redbluecollective.com. That has some limited information about me. But, uh, you know, hit me up on Instagram. And I think that's probably the easiest. You can listen to the End Hype podcast. So we're almost top 1%, should be next month, top 1% podcasts in the world. But um, listen to End Hype. I'll give you a. <laughs> if you if you listen to that show, my guarantee to somebody is, I'll give you all the information that you need to launch into a mid six figure business. And uh, if I don't answer the question that you want, yeah, for free. 
Uh, don't pay me a dollar until you make six figures. Uh, if you want, you can message me, join my community. I'll, I literally, my pitch for my community is if somebody joins, I'll answer any question that they have. Dang. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just, just, just hit me on social. It's easy to find me. I'm the only person in the world with my name. So it's true. C A L L Y E. Yep. Callie, thank you, man. Yep. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of How to Succeed at Everything. Be sure to follow, leave a review, um, give us a five-star rating if you can on whatever platform you listen to. It really helps. And send this to someone that you think needs to hear it. We want a lot of people to be impacted by the messages on this show, and we hope that you were as well. Thanks again so much. We'll see you in the next episode.